0: Morning. morning. Hey, my name is uh, Stephen. If you don't know me, uh, I'm the pastor here, and it's great to have you. Uh, thanks for joining us here. You're, uh, you're joining us if you're new uh, in a three-week series, and this is week one. And over the next three weeks, we're going to talk about uh, some of the key values of our church. Uh, this church is uh, just about two years old, and um, over the last two years, we've had this mission statement, and uh, nobody knows it. Probably nobody could quote it, which means it's a really bad mission statement. Uh, so we scrapped it, threw away everything that had it written on there, and we're, uh, we're not starting over as a church, but we're giving some new language. And um, we're going to talk about uh, just who we think that God is calling us to be As a church, not better than any other church, uh, but uniquely, uh, we think what God wants us to be for the city that we're in. Uh, And so our new mission statement, you're going to get a bookmark on the way out for those of you who read, and um, it's this, that the RCC family, and we picked every word intentionally, and we prayed through it and talked through it because we wanted to kind of um, arrive at a phrase that anyone who heard it that's been a part of our church would say, yeah, like that's what I've gotten excited about, or, or or that resonates with what I see God doing over the last few years, or the last few weeks, however long you've been around. And what I like about what we've arrived at is I don't think we started out at the, the beginning saying this is the vision that we have. Instead, what's happened is God has just led the church, and now we've gone back. And what we're doing is we're looking back and we're saying, God, who have you formed us into being? Not what did we set out to create. But now who are we as a result of your leadership? So the RCC family, we say around here that church is a family, not a social club. Uh, That the RCC family, that uh, that when church is done right, it's a family. So the RCC family exists to go and make disciples. We just ripped that one from Jesus. To go and make disciples through biblical teaching, always standing on the truth of scripture, never being ashamed for when it contradicts culture in modern day, but always holding fast to it. Through biblical teaching and meaningful worship, or like Jesus said, worship in spirit and in truth. So this is the mission that we feel like God has given us over the last few years. And a lot of times when you get into this, people are like, okay, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? And um, again, we've never really had a vision statement. If somebody asked me that, I would say, to be the church that Jesus came to plant. It's not our vision. It was his from the beginning to be the church that Jesus came to plant. Now, in order to be the church that Jesus came to plant, it means we need to be uh, set up in the way that Jesus set up his church. It means we need to operate the way Jesus told us to operate his church. And it means we need to reach the people that Jesus told us to reach through his church. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to look at those three things We call them value statements. And the first one is this, that this is God's church, not ours. That the way Jesus set up his church was not that individuals uh, with their great leadership abilities would oversee these organizations and entities, but that Jesus would be the head of his church. And so we say it that it's his church. And we're going to look in Ephesians chapter 4 when the Apostle Paul teaches us through this. And so if you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians chapter 4. We're just going to look at two short verses this morning and I'm going to try the best I can to help us understand what Paul was trying to communicate through these two very short verses on what the church that Jesus came to plant looks like. The verses say this. I'll read them, since we didn't already. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. And here in Ephesians four, what uh, Paul's main point is, is he's talking about unity in the church. That was kind of the the main idea in this segment of scripture and this is how he ends that. And I think as he's doing that, he teaches us what it looks like to be the church that Jesus came to plant. You say, well, why is it important? Why is it important that we become the church that Jesus came to plant? Because the church is Jesus's plan of redemption. It was through the church that Jesus planned on reaching the lost, on uh, healing, on serving people. Here's how it starts. He says this, Rather speaking the truth in love, uh, this opening phrase, speaking the truth in love, um, it's said in different ways throughout the scriptures, but this is to be a main part of the church that Jesus came to plant. In fact, I'll go so far as to say where this isn't happening, you can't be the church that Jesus came to plant. And so we've talked about this actually a few times throughout this year. All the way back in January, we did a series called Discipline, and uh, we were talking through that Matthew 18 principle. If you're familiar with that, where uh, you if a brother or sister gets caught up into sin, what's supposed to happen? And the metaphor that we created is uh, when we get into sin, we disconnect ourselves from the body. And it's like being on an island. And what we're supposed to do as brothers and sisters in Christ, instead of just keeping them over on the island and saying, you sinners, stay over there on the island. We're supposed to hop in our tandem kayak and kayak over to them and say, come on back in. And with love and grace, rescue them and bring them back into the body. That's the same truth. A few weeks ago, um, I uh, talked through uh, Jesus' famous words, judge not that you be not judged. For the measure you pour out, it'll be poured out onto you. And uh, that's the same idea, that there are times in, uh, in the church and when the church is working properly, where we look at our brother and sister in Christ and, um, and we hold up a little plank that says, bro, you got something wrong. And it's ruining your marriage or it's ruining your, uh, your friendships or uh, fill in the blank. And, and lovingly, we point it out. It's the same idea, speaking the truth in love, that the part of being the church that Jesus came to plant is an ability to, to confront lovingly in grace and speak the truth, the truth, never to change it, never to run from it, never to be ashamed of it, but to speak the truth and to speak it in love, in grace, as Christ spoke it to us. So once uh, that's happening in a group of people and the truth is being spoken in love, what happens is those individuals begin to grow. Now throughout this chapter, uh Paul is using the metaphor of comparing the body to the church. And like all metaphors, it's imperfect, but it's perhaps the best metaphor uh, that we have in the scriptures on understanding how the church is supposed to function. And so that's the metaphor that he's using. And here in 15, he's drawing a comparison of the Christian's growth to a child's growth. And he's saying that uh, as we're in a relationship where the truth is being spoken in love, we are to grow up. Like you would expect a child to grow up uh, into maturity. And so some of you have kids and you're hoping they're going to get to a point soon, right, even if they're 16, that they can feed themselves, right, or shower themselves or whatever, right? Self-discipline is beginning to emerge, uh, hopefully, right? Or, or they're learning how to align their priorities better and you want to see growth in your child, Paul's taking that same idea, and he's applying it to the spiritual life. And he's saying that you and I, as children of God, ought to be growing spiritually. It means that uh, if we've been doing this for a while now, there should be a path that we look back and we can see how we've grown. And maybe you're in a stagnant season. And you look back, and you think, man, there were times when when I just cared more. When I was growing more when I was more focused on Jesus, when my priorities were more aligned on seeking the kingdom of God first. And as a child grows into a, a teenager and an adult so Christians should mature, and be able to feed themselves by going to Scripture and letting the Holy Spirit teach them, by becoming more disciplined and saying no to sin and, uh, and yes to the promptings of the Spirit, of aligning their priorities more and more, were to be growing. In our faith, it's not a stagnant thing. But here's the beauty of what happens when when we grow, when we're maturing in our faith, we grow up in every way, the scripture says. In this case, balance is good, Paul is teaching, that we're to grow up in every way. If you saw a, a, you know, a 14-year-old or a 15-year-old or whatever, somebody who was growing up and they were just um, you know, all body, right? They, wanted to, they were ripped and they're working out all the time and they're getting jacked and all of that, but they had no common sense, no book knowledge, and no ability to relate to other people. It was just a hundred, you would look and you say, there's something wrong with that. That's, a, that's off balance, right? Well, in the same way, sometimes this can happen in our Christian life. We grow up, but Paul says grow up in every way heart, mind, body, soul, strength. Said another way, uh, we are to be growing, yes, in our knowledge, in our knowledge of scripture. And there's enough adequate scripture that, that, that shows us the importance of, of, of learning this and studying it and understanding it deeper. But we can be out of balance in that. I mean, some of us, will read and study, read and study, read and study, read and study. Right? we love it. We love theology. We love what, And it never turns into love. It never turns into action. There's other people on the other side. You'll serve any time, any moment. Serve, 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 serve. Uh, but there's no time alone with Jesus and him teaching you and growing you and expanding your love for him. We're to grow up in every way, in every way. And by the way, the best way to do this is not some rigid plan. It's being open to the Holy Spirit discipling you and growing you and, uh, and the whole fruit of the Spirit Coming to, to fruition. We're to grow up in every way. And what, do we, what happens when we're all growing up in, in every way? We're growing up every way into him who is the head. It's this line right here in part where we get this, this statement that this is God's church. And so if you can see the picture that's being presented, it's all of these individual Christians who have learned to speak the truth in love to one another. And as a result of that, they're growing up and they're growing up in every way. And as they're doing that, they're beginning to reflect the person of Jesus more. Collectively. In fact, what this verse also does teach us is that the individual does not take preeminence. The uh, the body does. uh, And I know this is hard words in our individualistic society, but uh, but the, the individual is not most important. The body is most important. And as individually we grow and we're growing up, then collectively we reflect Christ. We grew up in every way. By the way, this is something that is true in both the spiritual life and the and the rest of life. That the more self-sufficient we become, the more self-sufficient we become, um, there's an immature and a mature approach to it. One approach is I become more and more self-sufficient, and so I think I need other people less and less. The mature approach is I become more and more self-sufficient. But even as I do become more and more self-sufficient, I recognize my need for other people even more. I mean, even think about this. The more self-sufficient somebody begins, they actually engage in more powerful relationships, right? I mean, marriage is supposed to be two self-sufficient people coming together into the the greatest relationship we can be on in earth, right? Um, Those married people then end up having kids, right? The relational sphere expands and grows even as we become more self-sufficient. Now, let's apply this to the spiritual journey. There's a very immature spiritual approach, and it's this. Oh, I've grown to be self-sufficient. I've grown to be self-sufficient in my faith. I don't need other people. I don't need the church. I've grown out of that. It's pride, it's pride. And it says, it's saying, I, I can do this on my own. It's a misunderstanding of scripture. In fact, what should be happening is the opposite that as we grow spiritually and as we become more self sufficient spiritually, we realize even deeper our need for the church, our need for each other, our need for accountability. And we look for it. And so, as this is happening, uh, we're all beginning to reflect Jesus and we're growing into Him who is the head. And so the uh, the metaphor that Paul is following here is that Jesus is the head of the church. So that means that all things flow from him as he leads. It means if Jesus is the head, it means I'm certainly not. It means the elders aren't. Now there is of course structure in the way that the church is set up, but ultimately it means that at the top of the chain here is Jesus. That it's his church that the quest of, of um, church should not be uh, let's find the best leaders and become great leaders and, uh, and leadership uh, will make the church great. No, the quest of anyone involved in the church is how do I become a better follower of the person who's supposed to be the leader? Jesus. I don't think the point of the church was ever to be, hey, let's find the best leaders in marketplace and, uh, and then just use the same principles. No, the point was, let's find the people who can surrender the most to what Jesus wants to lead. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. We're to grow up into Jesus, reflecting Jesus into Christ from whom? And then from Jesus comes direction, comes vision, comes guidance through his Holy Spirit, through the scriptures, from Jesus comes the direction of the church then. From whom the whole body, the whole body, everybody, everybody. It means when you're a part of a local church, you then become part of this whole body mentioned here. From whom the whole body joined and held together. Now, it might just seem like those are two words that are being used interchangeably, but they're actually uh, words that Paul wanted to intentionally mean two different things, That, uh, uh, that Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, is both joining and holding the church together. And so uh, to help us understand this, we'll, we'll use uh, the puzzle as an example. And so just imagine uh, Jesus is this, uh, through his Holy Spirit putting this puzzle together and he's looking down on the table and the puzzle's out and, uh, and, and the joining is Jesus putting all of the pieces together in his church. And the way we say it around here is he always sends the right people at the right time. And for two years, he's done that. Whether it was you know, a sound guy or somebody in the band or a, 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 you know, somebody who's got a positive spirit that we need, whatever it might be. Jesus sends the right people at the right time. He's forming the puzzle together. And here's the challenge of us as all humans, not just those of us who would be in, in church authority, uh, but is to, to let Jesus be the one who puts it together. Not to slap his hand and say, no, I'll do it. We let him join it. We let him put the pieces together. What that means for you is a humble spirit that says, as I'm a part of the body of Christ, as I'm a part of the church, I humbly want to be used by Jesus in the spot on the puzzle that he wants me to fill or to fit. That's what the joining means. But he says it's joined and it's held. So if you take the idea of the puzzle, it's fit in, right? Um, but it's very easy then to take two fingers and just to, to separate it. Now, that's not how it practically happens in our world. We don't just put two fingers on and separate it. Instead, how it gets separated is usually much more trivial than that, right? Somebody changed the order of service. Somebody got a new carpet without asking. I don't like the new carpet. I'm out of here, right? I mean, all of these silly things that we have seen throughout the years that end up splitting the body, I mean, some of the most ridiculous things, and I'm sure we all have stories. And Jesus says, no, don't let me, he says, let me hold it together. Let me hold it together. Now, holding it together, then, is like taking the puzzle and gluing it. That's what he's saying. He said, I'll form it, but then I'll glue it. I'll glue it together so that it, so that it won't come apart, and it won't come apart easily. And friends, uh, for those of us who, who this, is, this is our church, and this is what we are praying that God would do to us, that he would join us and hold us together. Now, how does he go about holding us together? Uh, yeah, sure, some of it is, is a rally around um, the way we do things. Even Paul saw this in the first church when he's like, hey, you guys want to follow that guy, and you guys want to follow that guy, and you guys like that guy. And, like, there's certain parts of that uh, of saying, yeah, sure, I rally around because I like the music or I like the teaching or whatever it might be. But that's not supposed to be the, the, the greatest tie. That's not supposed to be the thing that we're like most connected to. I think when he's saying he, that Jesus is joining and holding it together, he's doing that uh, uh, through his, his Holy Spirit. And I think the way he does that is through, uh, through spiritual uh, connection and relationship. That that's at the heart of his church. That's why we call it a family. That the thing that is supposed to hold us together is, the, uh, is, is, is almost this like, supernatural, spiritual tie that makes us family. You know, one of the best ways, I mean, serving together does that. I mean, you know what really does it is, is, is when you take a moment to get to know somebody. You know what really does it? I think this is supernatural. I think when you pray with somebody, your relationship with that person is different. It, it just is. It's just different when you pray with them. It's like a tie is made. You know, praying with somebody is. Praying with someone is, is when you look at your brother or sister and you say, hey, I know you're about to go ask dad. I'll go with you. Let me go with you. And then the two of you together approach. And you say, father. Father, I'm here with my brother and my sister to ask on their behalf. That's praying with somebody. Praying together. It forms this. It's why if we want to be held together, we have to pray together. It's why we encourage it in life groups. Uh, it's why um, we have you know, elders up here afterwards who are more than willing to pray with you. September 26th is a Wednesday night. We're going to have a prayer night. I know some of you, that freaks you out more than any words I could say, <laughs> right? There's a lot of other things I could say that you'd be way more comfortable with. In a prayer night, you're freaking out. Um, some of you, your thought is this, I don't know what to do at a prayer night. Well, hint, you pray. But um, in addition to that, uh, maybe just don't do anything. Maybe just show up and, and then see what happens. And I, here's what I'm telling you. If you come, your perspective and your connection to every other person in the room will be different. It just will. It's how he works. So we're going to get together and we're going to pray together we're going to pray for each other in our church, in our city. That's Wednesday night, uh, September 26th. I hope you'll come. And this is part of how Jesus holds us together, keeps us together. And then this is what happens when that happens. From whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. Now, um, I'm not a scholar, but uh, this translation makes it a slightly difficult for us to understand, I think, what's trying to be conveyed. Every joint, were the joint here, connecting the, the body together, by every joint with which it is equipped. Um, I think it's easier for us to understand it if we say it like this. Every joint supplies to every other one. Here's what, uh, what Paul is trying to convey. That the, the supply needed for the church to be what it's supposed to be occurs when each individual is bringing the supply that God has given to them to the mutual supply of the whole church. Said another way, when God is filling you and you bring that fill into the body, it supplies to somebody else in the body. Now, here's what this is uncomfortably potentially doing, is it's uh, reminding us that we are a body. If we are the church that Jesus came to plant, we're not a bunch of, um, uh, it's not just a bunch of individuals who meet in a place. The church that Jesus came to plant is a bunch of individuals who are formed into a body. this is where it begins to get slightly scary. And I'm, I am just trying to teach you not maybe what you um, think of when you think of church, but I think what scripture wants you to think when you think of church. Here's when we're starting, I think, to get it. When even I look at my, uh, your sin, and you begin to realize, and we see this all throughout the Old Testament, by the way, and the reason we see this in the Old Testament isn't because God is angry, it's because he's trying to teach us a principle. And so in the Old Testament, when you see somebody um, mess up uh, in the Old Testament, and they say, well, you just got to go take them out back and kill them. You're like, whoa, what is going on there? We don't do that anymore, thank God. We'd all be dead, right? So instead, but God was teaching a principle. He teaches it in the New Testament by saying a little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? Or a few other different phrases and parables that he teaches that even my sin, does it hurt me? Sure. Does it hurt God? Yes. But it actually affects the whole body even if you do not find out about it. It affects the body. Why? <laughs> because it's stealing from the supply. Now, of course, there's forgiveness. We, we know that. But, but, but you're starting to get it when you look at, at, at the sin. It's not just a sin against God or a sin against yourself, but a sin against the whole body. You're starting to get it, what church is. You're starting to get it when you get a raise, and the first thing you think to yourself is, I have more to give to the body, not more to take care of myself. You're starting to, to get it when you walk in and you have eyes that look out and say, man, that person just doesn't, doesn't look as happy as they used to. How, how can I serve them? That, that, that mom who comes by herself every week, I wonder what her story is. And I wonder if there's something that I should be doing for her. And you begin to, to not say, what, what's the organization doing? No, you say, what, what can I do? What can I do? How can I serve that person? That's when you're starting to get it. You're starting to get it. We're all starting to get it when we don't look and say, okay, what's my role in all of this? What's my role? See, this is what happens sometimes. This is an immature approach to it. We step into church or people step into church and the first question they ask is, okay, what is my role? I have X gift, Y gift, Z gift, D gift. Okay, and I want to find my spot. Another uh, immature cousin of that approach is once is somebody gets their spot, they hold on so tightly to it. My spot, my spot, my spot. Right? And Jesus tries to move them, and they slap his hand away. Maturity shows up and says, okay, I just want to be a part of the body. Where do I fit in? Lead me into it. Yeah, see what's in existence already and, and step in and say, God, how do you want to use me here? not a preconceived idea. How do you want to use me, Lord? And by the way, if we trust that Jesus is, is, is um, joining the body together, then we trust that he's bringing the right people at the right time. And if we're open to it, he'll form it in exactly the right way. This is the whole body. It's joined. It's held together. Every joint is supplying one to another. When each part is working properly, when each part is working properly, uh, there's another translation that I think also helps us understand that a little better. And I think what what this is saying, what he's trying to convey by working properly is when the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit is alive and active in you, Right? When the Holy Spirit is, is working through you to your capacity, you join in and you bring the, uh, what the Holy Spirit is bringing into you. You bring it into the collective good. You, you're, you're supplying because the Holy Spirit is supplying to you. And so when someone's down, you're up. And you're, you're supplying encouragement then for that person. Or, or like we see in the book of Acts, when someone else is, has little, you have much. And you're supplying that to that person. When someone else is feeling weak and letting the enemy run all over them, you're feeling strong and you step in and you speak the authority of Jesus over something in their life. You stand uh, and we stand arm in arm, hand in hand, together and we supply to each other the mutual needs for the body. And when the Holy Spirit is working through you and you jump in and you, you lock in and the whole body is stronger, But the way, this, this should change the way you look at even your own spiritual growth. It's not just for you. Even your own spiritual growth isn't just for you. Your spiritual growth, it could be for somebody else. Like, like God's like, you need to learn encouragement, and so I'm going to teach it to you, because I got somebody coming, and they need it. Even your spiritual growth isn't about you. And then what happens? What's the result of all of this? It makes the body grow. And the body is a clear example here, or a clear metaphor for church. We could just take the word body out and put church. Makes the church grow. And we know growth can be like a, like a person. They can grow bigger, right? External growth that you see, or they can grow in their thinking, grow in their understanding. And so it could be either one of those. Makes the, the church grow so that it builds itself up in love. Builds itself up in love. Which means that the result of any church growth is supposed to be more love for the people that are currently in it. That's what it means. It means that growth without more love is not the church that Jesus came to plant. I think you could also say that love without growth is not the church that Jesus came to plant you say, well, what does that look like? I, th- I think that looks like church as a social club. Like, hey, we're here. We like each other. You're good. I'm good. I'm good with you. We're cool. I love you. We don't want anyone else. We just kind of isolate. We don't even want to be challenged in our faith. We don't want to take another step. We just kind of want to rest right here with just who we have. Don't challenge each other. Don't let anyone new in. But we love each other. No, it's supposed to be Both. The church that Jesus came to plant is a church that is supplying one another in such a way and growing itself up in love that Jesus can add extra pieces onto the table and the puzzle can expand. And when it does, those people are absorbed into a body that is healthy and loving each other. I think... We think that this is the church that he came to plant. It means for you and I, if this is our church, if this is your church, right? You, know, you just said it's God's church, you know what I mean, right? If this is your church. It means that where we're heading as a body is to be Jesus' church. It means I hope you're growing. You know why I hope you're growing? Because there's going to be a moment when I need it. (laughs) When I'm going to need the encouragement that God is growing in you. There's going to be a moment when my daughter needs it in five years. Or my wife. There's going to be a moment when you need it. And as the Holy Spirit keeps changing each of us, I, I think our body can grow in to the church that Jesus came to plant. Let's pray.